0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, and PR consultant, and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs, from online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services, and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book, or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the Work With Me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. Hello, everyone. It's my pleasure today to introduce you to the wonderful Tony Okamoto. Tony is the founder of Plant Based on a Budget, the popular website and meal plan that shows you how to save dough by eating veggies. I like that little pun. <laughs> She's also the author of Plant Based on a Budget and the Super Easy Vegan Slow Cooker Cookbook, as well as the co-host of the Plant Powered People podcast. Tony's work has been featured in the popular documentary what the health and she's a regular presence on local and national morning shows across the US where she teaches viewers how to break their meat habit without breaking their budget. Tony welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks so much for having me, Katrina.
0: Oh, it's a pleasure. We, I know we were just talking off air and we actually met three years ago in LA at a, a party held by a mutual friend of ours, uh, Karen Dawn. And uh, it's lovely to speak with you again and to, uh, you know, take a bit of a deep dive into your content creation and food blogging business. So I always kick off the, the first question with people's why. So why they do what you do. And I know you've, you've been a food blogger for uh, around a decade or so now. So what was your... What is or what is your why for doing what you do? So food blogging and content creation, and how did you get into it?
1: My why has two parts. I have been a blogger for a really long time. I started with Zenga and Live Journal way back in the day. <laughs> oh yeah, and... those those are old words. <laughs> it's probably going to be yes. Gen Zs going, "What's that?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've I've been blogging for quite some time now, and way back when I had a mid-century modern blog, which this was before I was vegan, and it really took off here where I live in Sacramento, and I started getting news coverage, and I just talked about modernism and learned the power of social media and blogging at that time. And then the second part is that I've been an animal rights activist for quite some time, and blogging seemed like a way to combat the misconception that plant-based eating was expensive. It's something that I heard over and over and over again every time I brought up veganism to my friends and family and to people I was anyone who would listen and and so I started compiling my family's recipes on to a blog, and it really took off. It was not just my family who would benefit; it was so many people who had the concerns about breaking their budget with plant-based eating.
0: Well, wow, and I love that because you really have carved a niche out. Um and you know, in plant-based on a budget, and I think you're, you're right. I mean, that is so important, and I get that a lot. And I get where people are coming from because obviously, you know, like with certain you know plant-based meats and cheeses, they they are or they can be more expensive. But that's a whole kind of you know issue with our food systems. But I love that you've um, you've carved out this niche, um, doing what you do. So obviously, things have changed. Like you said, you've been blogging for a long time, and you know, you've amassed I think probably millions of you know followers. You know, people that know about your work um, how has the vegan food blog space evolved over the past decade and how do you manage to stand out now amongst all the competition i get and i put that in kind of air quotes that are around nowadays
1: yes a lot has changed i remember when i was first becoming a vegan i relied on websites like uh veg web for recipes and and there were very few vegan food blogs and now there are vegan food blogs for just about every <laughs> lifestyle you could possibly imagine gluten-free soy-free you name it there's there's a blog for you and i try to stay i try to stay unique by really focusing on my mission to combat the misconception that plant-based eating is expensive and to show that there are plenty of foods in different places that are accessible and they can be just as tasty as what anyone was eating before. And so most of my audience right now, I, I regularly survey and about 65% of the people who follow plant-based on a budget are not even vegetarians they are veg curious people they've watched a documentary or read a book and have been inspired to make baby steps and so that is that is how i stay unique i remain friendly and uh, welcoming and warm to anybody who's interested in even adopting something as simple as meatless mondays
0: nice nice it's interesting that you called i was just thinking that you called your your project plant based on a budget all that time ago when the word wasn't really kind of that well known, I guess, back when you started. It's interesting you called it plant-based on a budget, which is kind of ideal now for attracting those kind of people that you mentioned that are, you know, the flexitarians and the plant curious rather than if you'd gone with vegan on a budget. So it's uh, it's an interesting one that you chose plant-based.
1: Yes, I, I knew that, I knew even then that vegan had a uh, negative association sometimes. I have always thought of my family as my inside scoop. Whatever they're thinking, I feel is representative of the general public. And I would remember saying, oh, vegan. And they're like, oh, vegan, that's not good. And they thought of me as (laughs) radical, left, hippie. And I just, I, I may as well have said, I am going to be a Martian from, <laughs> <laughs> from outer space. And and so that's that's what I that's what they thought of me. And that's why I chose to use plant-based instead of vegan because nice. they can understand plant-based more yeah. than they can understand vegan. That's
0: great. Right. Fantastic. So what is some of the tips? So if someone you know decides I would like to get into this, this space, um, what are some of the best ways uh, or what tips do you have rather for people interested in starting a food blog?
1: Just do it. I know a lot of people who are interested and they're thinking about it, but they get caught up in having fancy equipment or needing to save money to start a nice blog and have a designer. And uh, then it just never happens. And so my recommendation is use what you have. If you have a cell phone, take cell phone photos. That's how I started. I started with no money. I I had no money. This was just a passion project. And you just have to keep creating content and be consistent and be your authentic self. Don't try to model the behaviors you're seeing of other people online. Just do you and you will you will gain a following.
0: So on that, thank you for sharing that. I like that. So basically you did plant based on a budget on a budget (laughs) budget. (laughs) Um, but one of the things and I've heard this you know a a couple of uh, people I've spoken with recently said that they would like to start something like this or they had started something like this but they couldn't get the traction and that they Part of that was holding them back that, you know, they could be putting out this stuff and, you know, hardly anyone would be looking at it, um, you know, apart from maybe a handful of family and friends. So what are some of the best ways at the moment to get traffic to a food blog?
1: I recommend collaborating as much as you can and you can reach out to people. People reach out to me all the time. I have a series on Plant Based on a Budget's Instagram called Meatless Mondays where other people around the world share what they're eating for lunch and dinner on Mondays. And they send me the clips. We have some guidelines. And then they are introduced to my following. And my following is introduced to new ways of eating that is different than what I eat. And I really love collaborating with people and being introduced to, uh, to, to new people,
0: Right. I love that. And I love when what you have said about collaboration is that it's a win-win because I know sometimes like if someone goes to someone like you who's already got a massive following and doesn't really, do you know what I mean, they kind of need the other person, but they but they have provided you with something as well. So it is a win-win because I think that's quite important with collaboration is to see how it can help the other person and not just yourself. Would you agree with that?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I know that I I think about it as uh, what what could I have done, and what did I do when I first started, and I had no followers I had uh I feel like I had a hundred followers for years, and it it can be discouraging, but it's something that you have to love if you're gonna get into this to make money and to be an influencer, I feel like that might be the wrong reason because because it is it is a labor of love for a long time and you have to put in work and you have to collaborate and you have to continue creating meaningful content and engage with your users. And over time you will build a following, but that upfront labor has to be from your heart.
0: I love that. I think that's really important to to share something like that. And you're right because people have got to learn to know, like, and trust you. And so if you're, like you say, if you're expecting to just, you know, put out a few Things you know, and two months' time, suddenly you know you can be earning a fortune. I mean, maybe that can happen, you know, with, with some people. But I think you're you're right. You know, you do have to kind of just really love what you're doing as a, a passion project, and uh, and and then build it from there. So on that, how important is SEO, search engine optimization? Um, <clears throat> and can a new food blog like rank highly, given that there's so much competition, including obviously legacy brands such as yours?
1: I do believe that SEO is important. And it's something, again, that happens over time. Good, good ranking in SEO. And that brings up collaboration. Again, being featured on someone's blog gets you noticed by the algorithm and being have as, having as many link backs to your website gets you noticed by the algorithm. And so going to different food bloggers and Sorry.
0: Oh, about hello, that. Eddie. Hi Eddie. Well, we'll just will say I know we talked about him off air, but let's he obviously wants a little bit of attention. So everybody, this is Eddie, and this is Tony's pandemic pup. She adopted this beautiful sweet angel during the pandemic. So hello Eddie. Hi Eddie. <laughs> he says hello. Oh lovely. <laughs> so uh, but uh, as to, I was yeah, mentioning.
1: Being,
0: yeah, being uh, featured on other people's uh, blogs and websites.
1: Yes, uh, writing to different bloggers and saying, here's what I can offer you. And creating content that can be linked back to your website is really helpful. And that's something that I did to get initial link backs. And in the meantime, building up your social media following so that you can grow the the number of people who understand that your website is a resource to them uh, will also help you with SEO.
0: Mm, absolutely no that's that's great advice now I know we talked about obviously if you're going into it solely to make money and becoming an influencer that's probably not the best place to necessarily to start with because it's a passion project but obviously you know you have managed to um hello again Eddie. Um, you've managed to um you know create carve out a career as a content creator for yourself so can you talk us um, through maybe some of the ways that once you've started to establish herself, ways to monetize a food blog and, you know, carve out a, a career uh, in content creation.
1: I listen to Pat Flynn a lot. He does the brand Smart Passive Income. Yes. And yeah. he has been really helpful to me learning and understanding ways to diversify monetization. And so make sure you're not relying on one source of income if I were relying on Instagram only to be what brings me money, and then Instagram went away, I would not be in a good mm-hmm. position. So yeah. I make sure that I'm always having a diversified uh, diversified uh, streams of revenue so that I'm not always relying on one. And some ways that I do uh, gain monetization are through ambassadorships, brand ambassadorships through Instagram or on my website that's paid content to promote their product. And I I do it with products I personally enjoy and companies I'm aligned with. And then I also do ads on my website. I have created products that I own fully. So they're ebooks. And then also I write books through a publisher and have passive income through there as well.
0: Right. And when you say you've got ads on your site, do you mean things like Google ads or are they like your own kind of tailored ads that people can place on your site or both?
1: There are a lot of different platforms that will put up ads for you and test different ads to see what's working on your website. And so I use one called AdThrive. AdThrive is one of the better options available. And you do have to have a minimum number of people who visit your site per month. But there are a lot of companies like that who help you get the most out of your your website.
0: Right. Got it. I know you touched on the fact that you have products like eBooks. And I know this is something I get asked a lot. So I'll ask you this is that if you've got like this amazing, like you have, you got this amazing website, that's basically a free resource, lots of free resources. So, and often people say to me, well, if there's, you know, I'm giving all the way, I'm giving away all this stuff on my website. Why would someone then buy an eBook if they can get it for free on my site? So I'd love to get your take on that.
1: That's a good question. I have on plantbasedonabudget.com everything is free. And then on other websites, I have paid products. And one example of what you're saying is, uh, why would they buy something I have for free? I have free meal plans on plantbasedonabudget.com that show you how to grocery shop for seven days and spend only 25 US dollars per week that's about $1.20 per meal. (laughs) And and that's really inexpensive. And so I I show how to eat three meals per day, seven days a week, and I offer free four weeks. And if you love it, you can upgrade. And then there's a a similar product on plantbasedmealplan.com that is a little bit higher quality. So there are more photos, there is a printable grocery shopping list, and it it is uh, the premium product if someone liked the four weeks that they received for free. And also with the four weeks for free, we do collect email addresses.
0: Right. Got it. So that you can continue to. Okay. So there's a benefit there. Okay. Now that's a good, that's a good question. I know I get asked that a lot and I sometimes even think that myself, but you're right. It's kind of like they're not just paying for the same thing for there's usually something extra or something additional. And even it could even be just the convenience of having something in, you know, an easy format that they could like an ebook, even if they printed it out. So there's, there's, it's great. Thank you for for sharing that. Now you mentioned that you work as an ambassador for brands. Um, So I'd love for you to share maybe a, a couple of tips that you have for either Influencers or aspiring influencers who want to work with brands, and also some tips for brands because there's obviously vegan business owners who listen to this um, who would like to work with influencers.
1: Think of yourself as a business, and that means draw up contracts, negotiate, and offer them what's going to be beneficial for them when you're speaking to them. Oh, first of all, jump on a call with them, understand what they need and how you can provide, uh, how you can meet those needs. And, And then while you're going through the process, continue to check in with them. And then when you finish up, make sure you're giving them an analytics report so that they understand the value of what they just purchased, offer, um, Make sure you, you stay tuned to how many people followed them during that time on Instagram or wherever else you're hosting the, the sponsored content. You can uh, see how many people clicked on their link to purchase their product. And when you're doing a wrap-up, really sell uh, an upgrade. So you say, we have offered you all of this and we would love to continue partnering with you. and here's a, a 4 month pro, a 4 month partnership that will give you at a discount so that you're giving them an upsell and that's how i've i've learned but when i first started i didn't know anything i was not signing contracts i was not negotiating i was undervaluing myself and what i was offering to them and it wasn't until i started listening to business podcasts and reading books and understanding the importance of the legal part as well, that I changed my route and started thinking about myself as a business instead of just a blogger.
0: Mm, nice. That's a good differentiator. Anything you can check because the whole pricing is, is a tricky one, isn't it? And I've known, I've seen posts by influencers kind of going, how, I don't know how much, you know, in business groups, how much do I charge for this? Do you have any tips around, I know it's obviously the answer to that is how long is a piece of string, but any tips or guidelines that influence can use to, uh, influencers can use <laughs> to price their services?
1: That is something that I still struggle with myself. I make sure that I I keep bringing up collaboration because it's so important. I connect with bloggers and influencers all the time and we share what's working for us, how much we're charging for things and it helps you get a sense of what's normal, what's acceptable, what's a little bit aggressive and will get you less content but higher higher quality. I'm sorry, less less um partnerships, but, uh, higher quality as in they'll pay you more maybe. Oh,
0: okay. Right.
1: And, and so just continue conversing with other influencers to figure out what is being charged for your own, um, your own range of following.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay, good. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing as well that, you know, it, it, you know, in the beginning, particularly as well, you didn't know that. And it is a case of just, yeah, just kind of learning and finding out. And you touched on um, about how influencers can work with brands. What about if there's, you know, vegan brands who are listening to this show and they think, oh, yeah, I'd like to introduce some influencer marketing, but uh, not quite sure how to go about working with an influencer. What should they take into account before perhaps deciding on which type of influencers to use and just how to to work with them?
1: I would monitor their, uh, whoever I'm considering, I would monitor their social media activity for a while to see that it aligns with my style. So make sure that the way they communicate with people is aligned with your company. And then when you get on a call with them, which I would highly recommend doing, uh, ask about their audience. Who are they? What what age age range where are they from and what what do they want and if you are working with someone who can't answer those questions I would continue on and then again uh, the legal part make sure that you're signing contracts that everything is written and what you're expecting is in that contract so there are no miscommunications down the line.
0: Yeah, that's great. Really good tips. Thank you. Let's talk about some marketing strategies. So what marketing strategies do you use that are the most successful? Um, And that kind of leads into the next query, which is around social media, because obviously, we're seeing massive changes in the algorithm. And, you know, even people who have built up massive followings, it's only their content's only being shown to a fraction of their audience. So can you talk to us a little bit about what's working right now in terms of marketing and promoting what you do?
1: Well, I can say I do feel that frustration. I I have hundreds of thousands of followers, and when it, it shows you how many of them have seen your post, it can be discouraging. So hang in there, everyone who's experiencing that. And, <laughs> and then I noticed lately that Reels on Instagram are really taking off. It's the Instagram version of TikTok.
0: Oh, and yes, heard about that. <laughs>
1: it allows you to show your personality, it allows you to introduce your audience to the style of music that you like. And they're fun little short clips that really highlight the work that you do and let people know who you are. And so that's something we've been experimenting with. And they really have high visibility in the algorithm on Instagram at this moment. Who knows what it'll be next week, but that's what we're doing. My team and I have a weekly call where we're, everyone is on, um, on social media, constantly seeing what's working and what's not working. And we come together every Tuesday and we say, okay, this is what we need to be trying. This is what's working. And Reels, Reels is it.
0: Wow. Okay. I so say I did. I had to Google it the other day because I sort of thought, "What's this?" And I looked at. And I must admit, I personally, I'm not a big fan of Instagram. It drives me a bit bonkers. But you know, <laughs> I'm Facebook and LinkedIn are mine because I like to post links and just you know put a little bit of commentary. So Instagram, I must admit. But obviously, for for people like you know food bloggers or doing anything with food, obviously that it's a, such a visual um, platform. It, it's ideal. So do get your head round it. Follow what Tony says.
1: Ignore me um, <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> Videos okay. are doing really well too on Pinterest. Pinterest has recently started preferring videos oh, okay. and that's another way to get your the most out of your content. So if you're creating videos, say you're doing those top-down tasty style videos or even TikTok videos or reels and saving them, you can also put them on YouTube, you can put them on your Pinterest, you can put them on your website, make sure that you're using them to their fullest potential. Yes,
0: nice. Yeah, repurposing. That's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, really good advice. So in terms of the other platforms like Facebook, for example, like do you, there's the whole debate about organic versus paid. Um, So like, is, do you do paid social or is yours kind of all organic? And what do you recommend on that? And any tips?
1: We have tried, paid. We host a big meal plan challenge on the first of every year. And it's new year, new you. Let's try the plant-based-on-a-budget meal plan challenge. And last year, for the first time, my partner, Michelle Kane and I, she um, she co-authored the book, The Friendly Bean Cookbook with me. Uh, she and I also wrote the meal plans together. And we decided to invest in a a marketing manager, a Facebook ads marketing manager. And he says that uh, (laughs) the truth is, I don't really understand it completely, but he assured me many times that we were seeing a lot of growth. And I I don't know that I recommend it, and we ended up stopping it, but it was worth a try, and we used a pixel. uh, For anyone who doesn't understand what a pixel is, it's um, a tracker that goes onto my website Yeah, that if you have been on my website and then you go on Facebook, Facebook will will know that you were on my website and will show you an ad. Those are like the stalker
0: yeah. ads. I think they're sometimes colloquially. If you think you're being stalked and you're like, oh my oh God, yes. how weird <laughs> is that? That's why. Tony's just explained that beautifully. That's why those <laughs> ads appear. Yeah, cool, yes, carry on.
1: <laughs> Exactly. And, and so it knows that you were on my website earlier that day or yesterday and it'll show you the ad and tell you to buy the meal plan. And I was having a hard time understanding If they would have gone back to the website anyway, because they follow me on social media and because they are really active on plant-based on a budget, or if they would have not done it and saw it and were inspired to purchase it. So that that was where I was a little bit confused, but I think that it was worth a try and we know that we at least gained a little bit of money.
0: Right, yeah, it's an interesting way. It's like Facebook ads is like a whole different beast to you know yes. Facebook. Okay, I get it, and I've heard story, You know, people doing really well with it, and yes, yes, it works. And other, but I think you've got to really kind of know what you're doing um in in order for it to to work you know and the whole remarketing I know for example I was searching for something to I've got an electric bike and I was looking for something you know an accessory and I bought the accessory I thought great got it and then the ad started to appear and I felt a bit bad because I'm like oh I feel sorry for them now because I've already purchased it it's a waste of you know an impression or whatever it is that they've showed it to me so I know there's it it is a little bit tricky but uh yeah thank you for for sharing that that's that's great now you touched on your your, your friend, your business partner, Michelle Kane, um, you have, yeah, you've been friends for a long time. You've worked on your business together. And I, I certainly know of some horror stories where, you know, friends have got together and gone into business and it's all gone Pear shaped. So, um, I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about how you've kept both the friendship and the the business relationship intact. You know, like for example, how do you handle disagreements, etc. So, can you talk to us a little about that? Any tips you've got for working with friends as business partners?
1: That's an excellent question, and I want to give a little bit of context before I jump in there. I did not go to college right out of high school. And I went back in my late 20s and graduated when I was 30 in a management program. I went to University of San Francisco and studied uh, in their business program for management. And at that time, I was also building plant-based on a budget into a business. And I was learning how to communicate with people. And I was learning the importance of legal documents and understanding that you can be in the best relationship with someone and it can still go wrong in the way that you just mentioned, Katrina. And so I had all of that information going into my partnership with Michelle. And so we had lots of long conversations and fortunately we are really good friends and we have been able to converse about some difficult things. And we both agreed to upfront sign Um, legal documents. Where do we stand? How do we profit share? How do we want to spend money? We made sure we went into a legit business and formed an LLC so that everything was taken care of. We both have access to our bank account, which is solely for our business. And I feel like when you have all those things taken care of up front, that there's a lot less room for miscommunication later down the line because everything is written and everything is spoken about up up front. Mm. So we had all of that taken care of, but in terms of working together on a daily basis, it has been a beautiful experience in my opinion. We have had disagreements and even putting out this book right now, a lot of our 2020 looks different than expected and it could be really disappointing and we could just be sad together, but instead we're looking for creative ways and we're making sure that we're tackling different things so that we're doubling our efforts and it it has been a fantastic experience so far. And we've been working together, I believe, for five years. Oh, nice. That's great.
0: That's good. And I love what you said. It is important because I think sometimes when you're with, you know, somebody's, you know, a friend, you know, there's maybe a little reticence of, oh, well, we don't need a contract. But I think it's, I think you're absolutely right. It's so important. I mean, I've done like some PR work for really good friends. And I'm just like, right, here's the contract, sign it. And I actually added a little sentence at the end saying, and whatever happens, we agree to stay for it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just kind of put that in. But I think it is important because it does just... um, um, yeah, get get people into that kind of mindset. I'm curious. Did you have an exit agreement? Because that's one of the other thing I've seen happen, where people have gone into business together, and then one of them, for whatever reason, has wanted to leave the business, and then it's kind of like, well, who owns the social media? And do you know I me mean, what assets? And and that could could be quite adversarial if that hasn't been negotiated up front.
1: Uh, we have not discussed that, but we but it does not apply to us. We make sure that our money is always split 50-50 and we don't share any social media. We decided to promote things through our own independent channels. So she has World of Vegan and I have Plant Based on a Budget and we each keep our own separate channels and we run them, but we decided that it would not be in our best interest to create another social media to run that probably wouldn't have as many followers and that would right. be an extra burden to us. So yeah. that part is not relevant. And the, the money part was what, what was relevant. And we did make sure to say, if either of us ever want to dissolve this company, these are the guidelines to make that happen. Nice,
0: nice. Really good advice. I love that. What about handling the division of the labor between like, particularly, and we're going to talk about your book um, shortly, like how do you kind of handle that? like who does what and how do you decide well Tony you do that and I do this and when do you come together like I'm I'm always curious but I mean I've I've um, worked with my partner on books but it's mainly been um editing anthologies of like real life stories which is slightly different um but how have you, the two of you kind of how do you yeah navigate the the division of the work between you
1: Fortunately, we have different skill sets. Michelle is very visual and creative. And so when when we were writing this book, for example, we divided the recipes 50-50. And then she took more of the creative control, working with the photographer and doing a lot of the design. And I wrote a lot and i always joke that our skill our writing styles are so different i am more of an academic writer and she is so good at the social media excited personality type of writer and so i would write the the blurbs for our recipes and then she would go in and dress them up and make them more excited <laughs> nice <laughs> so for that we we did work nicely together because we have different skill sets but when there was something that we needed to work on together. We would carve out the time, put it on our calendar, and jump on the phone. A lot of this has been done during the pandemic, which is very, very different because we're social distancing. And and so we would do video calls and make sure that we were equally invested in whatever we needed to get accomplished. And then whenever there was anything that, that was a little bit more challenging, or, um, I'll give you one example of, of how it can be, it can be a little bit, um, heated sometimes. I, I mentioned, I, I enjoy writing and I, I fancy myself an okay writer. (laughs) And, and, and one time she went in and edited my writing without suggesting edits. And I almost fell out of my chair when I went back to it. And so up front, we, we had a conversation before letting anything fester. I just said, Hey, you know, please, if you ever want to edit, I'm, totally open to it, but can you always suggest edits so we can talk about it? And that's how we deal with those types of situations.
0: I love that. I'm glad you shared a real life example. And I'm laughing because I totally get it because being a writer myself, I'm like, yep, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you mean, but it's great that you can, you know, you can have that conversation and the other person, you know, you could, you can say it in such a way. And then the other person, you know, doesn't just get offended and just kind of like, okay. And then it's done and dusted instead of being a thing. Um, So that's that was, that's was great thank you for sharing that um, now obviously so creating content is is one part of your business but you've then got to get eyes on it so there's the social media and I know you mentioned earlier you've actually got a small team so I was curious about that because obviously in the beginning you're doing everything you know what I mean you're putting the block you're taking the pictures you're writing the recipes you're uploading them to your website you're doing your own social and it can be quite exhausting and get a bit of a burnout so I'm curious at what point or how much at the moment how much do you do yourself and how much do you outsource and at what point did you start to grow your team and know that you were able to do that in a financially sustainable way
1: at this point I do all of the all of the bigger picture items for plant-based on a budget so I first oversee the team and I make sure I'm constantly checking in and being here for them always so that they feel really supported that's how I spend most of my time. And then I also do the bigger projects like writing books. I do the podcast. I do um, new, the meal planning, the recipe development. And what I outsource, I have a social media manager uh, who does it as freelancer. He he does um, social media work for a couple different companies. I have a freelancer Videographer, photographer, and a copy copywriter. And I wasn't really in that position for the first six years. I did everything by myself. I, as you mentioned, I did <laughs> it all, and I spent a lot of time on YouTube and Google figuring out how to do HTML and how to do everything. And I mentioned I didn't have any money, so I couldn't really outsource anything. So it was a big learning pro- process. And I'm grateful because now I know how to do all of those things. And I feel like, should I ever be in a position where I needed to roll up my sleeves and get into my website, I can do some of the backend stuff. But I am grateful to n- no longer do that.
0: God, wow. So thank you for showing that. That was six years. So it was six years before you were able to invest in taking on and in outsourcing some of that.
1: Yes. I, I first started, okay, so this is a, a funny, not so funny story where I, my website was attacked. It was oh, totally wow. compromised and people couldn't get onto the website. And I, had no experience and I had no money. And I posted about it on my business, my my plant based on a budget Facebook page. And I said, hey, please hang in there. I'm trying to figure this out. I understand the website has some malware on it and I will get back to you when it's back up. Mm. And someone who was extremely kind, wrote to me and said, hey, my name is Justin. I am I do this for a living and I understand that it's it's scary to give someone your password uh, he said I am I, I understand it's really scary and uh, I'm a Buddhist I believe in paying it forward so for free I will fix your website. And uh, I felt like I didn't have any other options. So I handed over my website. And if, if anyone knows what that's like, it's extremely scary yes. because they can change your passwords. Yeah. They can take your, all your hard work. And, uh, and, and he did it for free. He needed some would just step in something that was a little bit more difficult for, for me to accomplish. And now I pay him um, probably about eh, 10 to 20 hours a month to do some website maintenance. Uh-huh. He he does backing up. He makes sure that everything backed up before he updates anything. He fixes any weird things that are broken, and I very much appreciate it. He's been working for Plant Based on a Budget now, or with Plant Based on a Budget, including the time that he – just did it for free for, I would say about five or six years, maybe more.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I know the importance. We've got someone who does like web maintenance. and It's just nice to have that taken care of. Now, I know you mentioned social media. And this is the thing with social media managers, because obviously, you've got a very unique voice. And I know there's that thing of, you know, if you have a social media manager, is it going to be obvious? It's not me. So how does that work? Like, do you just kind of get someone and just work with them really, really closely so that they, they, they have got your unique voice and are able to pull that off?
1: I'm really grateful that I have someone who studies social media. He studied social media in school and continues to study it. And he understands the importance of making making it my voice and really allowing my content to shine. So we both post regularly post regularly. And what he does is more supplemental to what I do. Oh, okay. So you do,
0: you do do some of your own social posting then?
1: Yes. Oh, okay. he, Gosh, yes. So, so every day I'm, I'm on there posting what I ate that day. That's, I do a casual photo and he will take a more polished photo later in the evening. That's from the website and try to direct People back to the website, so uh, he'll post a caption that says, "Here is this mouth-watering pesto <laughs> pasta that uses sunflower seeds, which are cheaper than pine nuts, and check it out on plantbasedonabudget.com." So that's what he I does. And yeah, he does a really great job of staying warm and friendly. But I didn't know. I didn't know. I hired for a social media person uh, in February of this year, and I had 400 applicants. Wow! And I had a one and a half hour, um, like a survey for them to fill out, asking them how would you caption this, how would you say this if there's someone who asks this question, what would you say? And, and that's how I landed on Alfonso was because he, he just seemed the most aligned with me and part of his job is to communicate with people and to make sure all of the questions that come to plant based on a budget are answered
0: yeah got it wonderful thank you for sharing that um and just finally then to wrap up tell us about your new book and your experience of publishing it
1: i have a new book the friendly vegan cookbook that i wrote that's a great title
0: i like that the friendly vegan cookbook that's nice
1: Thank you. The the premise (laughs) is basically just that. It's two best friends who want to share with a very friendly approach uh, the best vegan food that we know. We compiled a lot of our family recipes that we've veganized over the years, and we also have vegan chefs who we love, who who have contributed, like Chef Chloe Coscarelli and Colleen Patrick Boudreau, recipes that we've really loved over the years and which have become staples in our home. And the idea is the importance of sharing food with your family, even if they're the most skeptical meat lovers out there, using these recipes to impress them. Because both in, in both of our experience, that is what really changes hearts and minds is sharing very tasty food with people. And you'll often get the response if I could eat this every day, I would totally be vegan. And the truth is, now you can buy my book. You can. Yes. Now you can. (laughs) I love that. Just tell us briefly
0: about the publishing experience, because there's different ways of publishing. You can, you know, go with a traditional publisher, uh, an independent kind of hybrid model, uh, or self-publish. So you went with Ben Bella. Um, Tell us about your experience. Did you approach them and pitch them like through an agent or directly? Or did they come to you because you've got a big audience? How did that work? This
1: whole part of my life has been so, I've been going through it blindly, to be honest. When I started, I had no idea where to begin. I just, there's not a lot, there are not a lot of resources online to help aspiring authors. And it was a very scary process. So I was searching the web, looking at forums from 2002 on how to publish a book (laughs) And what I read was you should have, a, you should have a, an agent if you can get one. And I followed some advice and found a website called Publisher's uh, Marketplace. Publisher's Marketplace. And I looked up the top selling health wellness cookbook um, pub, uh, agents and met Message them. I sent them cold emails. I found their emails online. I created a document of how I was going to respond to them. And I found based on my research that basically you want to go over the top of why they should represent you've ever had and put it in there in 500 words. And I cold emailed 10 people. I heard back from six I got offers that's a from pretty late. that's a pretty I, good
0: response right
1: <laughs> Six I, I was I was really I was very happy and I think I was at the right time I, I was still this was before this book so I was working right. on my book plant based on a budget and veganism was just just hitting its uh, um it was just on the rise right and I believe what the health had just come out and more people were curious about it and agents and publishers saw the potential. So I started working with an agent and met with all kinds of different people from publishing companies in New York. And it was a really scary process and it, uh, it was a bit disappointing because I had my hopes up thinking, wow, all these people are interested. They're going to want to buy my book. And then it came to the auction day where my book was being sold and Ben Bella was the only one who offered, which I was very grateful because to be offered a, a book deal is is amazing. But in the, in the back of my mind, I thought, wow, I, maybe my book isn't as needed or wanted as I thought it was. And in retrospect, I'm really extremely grateful that I'm with Bambela. Even if I had another opportunity to leave from a, a top five publishing house, I would not go. My mm-hmm. experience with Bembella has been amazing, and they understand my vision and allow me the creativity. They allowed me to have uh, photos with all of my recipes to speak my authentic truth, and have been completely supportive the whole process.
0: Wow! So you went back with them with the new one. I love that, and I'll give a shout out to them because the publicist that pitched you to you and Michelle, or you or and or Michelle to be on the show, it was a really good pitch. Like she pitched; she obviously knew what the podcast was about. You know, it was re, it was a very good pitch. I even wrote back to her saying, "This is one of the best PR pitches I've had in a very <laughs> long time." So I get why you want to stay with them. So that's that's wonderful. Fantastic. Well, we'll certainly put um, links to obviously your websites and also where uh, people can um, buy the book, which that sounds like a perfect early Christmas present to, to get in um, as well. So um, that's fantastic. Congratulations again on, on everything that you do, Tony, and uh, to you and Michelle on the new book and uh, really appreciate you sharing your expertise. I think it's going to be inspiring and obviously lots of practical advice for you know other people wanting to come into the space so it's been a pleasure speaking with you thank you so much
1: likewise thank you so much and I, I just so appreciate coming on your podcast thank you so that's it
0: for this episode of vegan business talk i hope you enjoyed it and found it useful if you like the show please give it a review on itunes or whatever platform you're listening on as it helps to get it seen by more people There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.